Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to bring your parish from maintenance to mission. My name is Dan O'Rourke, and this is the last podcast of our season. So I'm so happy to be in studio with my friend Ron Huntley. Good to see you, Ron. Thanks, Dan. And my other friend, Father James Mellon. How are you doing, other friend? I am very well. <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys, this is it. So we, we've just completed an amazing season of podcasts with guests from all over the world. And I just, just, I just want to check in. <laughs> How's it feel? Feels pretty good. It's a blur going through it. Uh, but to know that we're at the end of a podcast season is very gratifying. And I hope we've really been able to inspire a bunch of people. Yeah, it, it's, it's always fun to get together and, and have the energy around the table and to connect these amazing people. But you know what also always is amazing to me is the realization that people actually listen to this stuff <laughs> or, or watch it. It's I'm like, not doing this for nothing, Father <laughs> James. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, I, think, I, I think back to the early years when we first recorded podcasts in, in my office and then we, we went to the, 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 the small studio we converted from, it was uh, sh- shower rooms and we converted it into a studio. And there was always a sense of, well, we're going to do this uh, and maybe someone will listen. I don't know, but but when you know we've been traveling over the last few yes. weeks and meeting people and realizing the the podcast is actually impacting people all over the world, all so over the world, of all denominations. Yeah, too. yeah. So yeah. we're incredibly grateful for that. And so if you're listening, thank you for being a part of this. Thanks for being a part of the conversation. Yeah. And I really think that you know in in our churches, if we're you know, remember the primary shift of maintenance to mission is really a cultural shift. It's 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 not simply about orientation. It's not simply about mm-hmm. practice. Uh, there's no point being oriented on the outside if the culture behind you is still inside focused. And one of the the great contributors to culture shift is changing the conversation. What do we yes. talk about? Mm-hmm. What do someone once said that the culture of an organization is revealed by the conversation around the water cooler. Huh. So what are you talking about when you don't have to talk about anything? What are you talking about? What is, what is it default to? And I think having new conversations is, is a key part of that. And those of you who are listening, I hope that you can continue those conversations where you come from in your own churches and your own businesses or wherever it is that you're leading from. And let's change the culture. Let's keep the conversation happening. Love it. So, look, the guys um, did uh, the, the production team. So uh, I guess not everybody would know, as I, I stumble my way forward here, but not everybody knows that our, our podcast, I mean, there's a, a large team behind, there's a large team behind what we do. Yeah. And so we've got a producer, we've got we've got a, a bunch of associates, we've got some, uh, we've got some editors and switchers and audio. It's, it's, it's an incredibly big team. And um, anyways, we're incredibly... It takes a lot of people to make us look and sound good. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of hard work, that is. <laughs> uh, so th- what they did for us is they pulled together a bunch of clips from this past season to just guide us through some of the things that, that happened and also to nail some of, uh, some of the, the, the principles that, that we try and drive home. And, and we, are, we do approach this with a high degree of intentionality. I don't know that we always get it right, but we try to be intentional about who's coming on our, our podcast and the, the topics that we're, we're discussing and talking about. One of the big transitions this year, though, was actually the shift of our logo. The Divine Renovation branding mm-hmm. and logo changed. Uh, we had the um, the opening doors, which internally we've always kind of teased. Is kind of it looks like a Trojan helmet. If you don't know what it is, are the are, are the hel- it looks like Boba Fett from Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, Boba, the Boba Fett helmet. That one too. <laughs> so we, we we joked about that for a long time. It was we'd had that uh, logo for 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 a few years, which comes from the the, the front cover of the of the first two books, mm-hmm. which were you know that the symbol really was. Uh, church doors opening outwards to the world. So the, the message of the front cover really is about an invitation to the those on the inside of the church to, to go out mm. and the idea of light coming in when when the church is outward focused. And 
that was fitting for the, the first, for at least for the first book anyway, because it was a, it was a proposal, but divine renovation is a ministry We're we're not just proposing, uh, <laughs> we're, 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 we're helping, we're helping. Mm. And so the, there is a continuity between the old logo and the new in as yes. much as open doors will, doors are opened by keys. And the new logo has the three keys. And so those three keys, Father James, what are the three keys? The three keys are the primacy of evangelization, uh, which unleashes, you know, everything else in the life of a church in terms of catechesis and small groups and involvement in ministry and bringing the sacraments to life, all of these things. That primacy of evangelization, the best of leadership, which, you know, we, we could spend three weeks talking about, but the best of leadership and empowerment by the Holy Spirit, the experience of of the power of the Spirit. You know, Jesus said, don't leave the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Mm-hmm. A reminder that that we can't do this by, by ourselves. So these three mm-hmm. keys and the key ring that holds the keys together represents the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and also a reminder that, that not even so much for the sake of those who are not coming to church, but for the sake of those who are currently coming to church, we need to strive to to grow and, and improve things that we talk about, the three H's, hymns, homilies, and hospitality. So the podcasts, the guests that we bring on, we really try and be intentional about having guests that start to reflect those three keys. And I, and I laugh because I know a lot of the videos that the team's got, they'll, we'll queue them up in a moment so we can watch one and then maybe have a comment on it. But you'll see the old the, the old Trojan helmet the because <laughs> it's in the lower third of the video. So those who are watching on video, you'll see the old logo. Uh, and then you'll see our new logo. In the Which, you know, it's a great logo. The, the, the thing is... One though, member of our team likes it more than the rest of I us. I liked it too. <laughs> it's, a, it's a reminder. I like the new one though. It's a reminder say. that that we, we perceive according to what we've experienced, according to what we know. And every time we looked at it, we saw the logo. We saw the open doors because we know that's what it is. But if you don't, the problem was, especially when it's in miniature form, if you don't know what it is, it's a Trojan helmet. It's nothing else. You know I, mean, I didn't see any of that stuff till you guys put it in my head, and then you <laughs> ruined it for me forever. So, uh, so, so look, I, what I would love for us to start with is actually uh, we had a, a guest come on, uh, Melanie Smolin, and, and she, she oh, that was great. How wasn't she awesome? And one of the things she challenged us on was to you know to really think what is it like to be um, to be a person who shows up at a church. Uh, who doesn't actually uh, isn't isn't familiar with with what it's like and is is walking through those doors for the first time? Then that's what her ministry does, right? And so, like, I, I thought, wow, if there's a good way to start, it's with that. What's it like that that first experience mm-hmm. of going in? So, why don't we run that that short clip of Melanie? The two barriers that I've seen in all of the work I've done with the Catholic Church is that people are not coming back for very simple reasons. One, nobody talks to them, and two, they have no idea what's going on. Um, it's not about <laughs> theology, you know, which check, is that um, they don't even get to that. And so for my Catholic brothers and sisters, I'm like, we can prevent that. Um, we can make a difference in that. You know, we're not changing what we believe, um, but we can change the way we communicate it to people so that they can be a part of that. Wasn't she great? <laughs> nobody talks to you and nobody knows what's going on. And you and these new people don't know what's going on. I'm thinking, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> what, a, what a great challenge. How, which key do you feel that belongs in, Father James? Well, it, it's not really, it, it, it'd be the key ring. It's about the Sunday experience. Now, remember in the Divine Renovation model, or for those of you who are, the word, the, the inv- invitation to remember might not be appropriate. The, <laughs> in the Divine Renovation model, uh, the weekend experience is not our primary tool to engage the unchurched. It's mm-hmm. because we believe that 
the Sunday gathering is primar- is not primarily evangel- evangelization. It's worship. It's the the gathered community called to worship God. However, we be- we be- we believe in in maximizing the the openness of that of that experience. So you know through improved music and and, and better preaching and hospitality. This what Melanie's speaking about is hospitality. And as I re- as I listen to these comments, I'm I, I'm struck by how very much you know our we're shaped by our past. Uh, we, we are inheritors of a culture mm. that stretches back many, many centuries. And the, the thing is that um, the, there's an old phrase in the church, the law of praying is the law of believing, and how we believe shapes how we act. And to be very honest, to be fair, for centuries, um, the gathering of the Eucharist was considered to be kind of almost a, a private prayer time. So when you entered the church, you were going, it was a place to pray so if you entered a room where everyone is praying silently and individually, you're not going to go around talking to people. It's true. That's just it's, so. It's not that it's filled with cold-hearted people who don't care. There's a culture that says, "No, this is you're walking into a place where the purpose of this place is to kneel down and pray quietly," and that's part of that's part of what shaped that whole experience. People not explaining what's going on. I mean, it's not just visitors. There's a lot of Catholics who really, when you scratch the mm. surface, they don't even That's understand true. what the Mass is, what the Eucharist is. But again, for centuries, the Mass was what the priest did. Right. I mean, he had his back to the people. He he prayed in a low voice. He prayed in a language no, no one understood. Yes, some people would follow along in the missiles. But remember, up until 100 years ago, most people were not literate. People literally didn't have a clue what was going on. It was this thing that the priest did, the choir did their thing, and the people basically, they went and uh, and said private prayers. So again, for centuries, people who went to church didn't have a clue what was going on. So it's not just the, the human tendency to be you know, to, you know, you know, to be insider focused and, and, and we always have to struggle with the hospitality issue no matter where we are, but we are inheritors of a, of a, of a past that has really shaped us. So, you know, the other day when St. Benedict had their praise and worship night, which they do every couple of months now, it's a lot of fun. And uh, my son invited one of his friends who's non-Catholic and my son's 20. And so this young lady's only young too. And she brought a non-Catholic friend as well. And then they did something that night that they've never done before, and that is have a time of Eucharistic adoration. And I'm thinking, oh, no. Like, these people aren't going to have a clue. And you know what I loved? is Father Simon took the time and went way out of his way. to. He assumed there were non-Catholics oh, in the house, oh, wow. and then he just explained it. So that, make, that makes all the difference in the world. And we have to stop assuming that everyone coming to church on Sunday is Catholic and gets it. We That's just right. have to stop. And also, it, it's an important principle that it doesn't mean we don't have to be true to ourselves right. uh, as long as we explain. I remember five years ago, I was part of a, a small group of, of Catholic leaders we met in California, and Rick Warren came to speak to us. And it was a it was an amazing experience. I was sitting in the front row. He was sitting about four feet from me, but he sat down on a stool and he pulled out of his back pocket a, a, a dog-eared, beat-up version of a first edition copy of Evangelii Nunciandi by Pope Paul VI, 1975. Amazing. And he taught all these Catholic leaders from Pope Paul VI. And I remember one thing he said. So you don't need to, those of you who come from a liturgical tradition with all of its richness, you don't need to change what you do. 
Just explain it. Amen. Just explain mm. it. That's all he said. Just explain it. Love it. All right, guys, I want to go up to the next video here. It's a, a good friend. I don't friend. want to stop. <laughs> <laughs> a good friend of ours, a good friend of our ministry, the founder, one of the co-founders of CCO, Catholic Christian Outreach, Andre Renier. Why don't yes. we run that clip of Andre? At the heart of evangelization is an encounter with Jesus Christ, an encounter that changes your life. So what happens often in evangelization is that we, we depend on the sage from the stage. Let's, let's get the most gifted evangelist out there and let's pay him big money to come to a conference and to evangelize everyone we know. Well, one, the people we know don't come to these conferences, we do. Um, and so we're just inspired by this evangelist. But what should be really happening if there's clarity if, if there's a simplicity to it, the average Catholic, the one that has had an encounter with Jesus Christ, can actually become the evangelist yep. in a coffee shop with a family member, a friend, a parishioner, somebody that you're, you have just met on the bus if, if you know, that opportunity makes itself available to you. What I love is, is Andre's heart there. I mean, like he, he's got that heart for trying to reach people for Jesus and, and he, he drives it right down to a personal yeah. level. Yeah, no, Andre has, just want to take my hat off to him. I don't have a hat, but um, <laughs> he's, he's impacted the Canadian church in such an immense way. You know, his, from his, his original conversion to his, a sense of calling as he saw so many young Catholics leaving the church and joining other co- communities and asking that simple question, what, well, why can't we experience that within our tradition? And it was just something that's burned in his heart. And after years and years of, of, of moving with CCO and, and being on the fringe, he's just, God has really blessed uh, the ministry and they've and given them a real impact. And again, part of um, changing the conversation, you know, we talked about that at the beginning, he's really helped to change the conversation uh, in, in the Canadian church and beyond. And coming back to, to really what we, we've heard from from church leaders over the last several decades, from uh, Pope Francis, Pope Benedict, and and Pope John Paul II, this this focus on on encounter with Jesus, encounter the you know, proclamation that leads to encounter, that leads to relationship, that leads to commitment, mm. and and you know refocusing the mission of the church on on that bedrock has has is a, is truly a game changer, and we would say that in our ministry, it's about you know getting you know, getting that encounter and, and relationship normalized within parishes. Watched a video the other day on YouTube, and the video was titled, Why I'm No Longer a Roman Catholic, and it was from a 60-year-old man who was very earnest, and he laid it right out. And, um, and, I, and I, every, I agreed with everything he yes. said, <laughs> and, and he finally had an encounter with Jesus through somebody from a different tradition, yep. and, and he left, and I just thought, you know, my dear friend, that's exactly why we do what we do. Like, you know, it's not enough just to have your knees under the right table, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's not enough. We, we need to bring people to a place of encounter to set them on fire with the knowledge mm-hmm. and the love of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's not, not Catholic. Like yeah. people are, that's not Catholic. It's like, oh, for heaven's sakes, we need to expand our understanding of Catholicism. I, I remember Father James, you said one time, like, we, it's almost like we've defined ourselves by the things that are specifically Catholic, yes. and we've completely forgotten about all the things that we share in common as Christians. And as a result, we hyper-focus on our uniqueness, yes. and we totally forego the charisma and, and, and transformation and conversion. Yeah. 
Uh, I think to Andre stresses stresses the importance of that of each individual being able to tell their story and, and give and give witness, always having their answer ready for those who ask the reason for your hope. And I think that's such an important task for parish leaders to help parishioners know that they have a story and equipping them to to tell their story. But you know, at the same time, we recognize that people have different giftings, and some people yes. are more find like you know one on one evangelization much much it comes much more easily to them. I think of the, you know, the the apest testing, you know, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Some people are more gifted evangelists. Some people are less so. And this is why I love Alpha, because mm-hmm. everyone can at least, even if you're not an actual evangelist, you can tell your story. But when it comes to kind of like, uh, you know, make it as they say in sales, you're making the sale. You don't have to have that pressure. You can simply mm-hmm. echo that that ancient biblical, that ancient gospel uh, tactic of evangelization, which is come and see, and and the benefit of of communal evangelization through a, a process over time, such as Alpha, is is a really amazing combination with personal testimony. There's a handful more clips that the team queued up for us. So I'm going to push us through, but just a, a short reflection, especially yeah. for people who are watching. My goodness, look at the video of the old set. I mean, that was, it's I know. I that's <laughs> watching the video because our set was assembled around us. And so for those who are, who are watching, uh, you, you wouldn't perhaps appreciate the large sea of blue that's behind, <laughs> behind us on that set on that clip. And just how much the, the, the production team has transformed the set behind us over this past year. What a blessing it has been. And to see the, the evolution of that uh, in real time is, is kind of crazy. Uh, so the next next video is from um, Deacon Doug. Deacon Doug is, is actually one of, um, he's a deacon at one of the Divine Innovation Parish in Illinois. And so let's watch this short video of Deacon Doug. It's exciting to see people come to Christ and to see somebody who has never met Jesus Christ before, never met a, never opened up a Bible before, um, have a transformational experience. And I often say, now, I know what fruit looks like, I know what real fruit tastes like, and that's what I'm after. So that's a big shift in, in uh, where we're at. The other thing with Divine Renovation and through Alpha, um, it's the beginning of starting to raise up leaders, you know, um, where I once prayed for, and I still, we need more deacons, we need more priests, but we need more everybody. We need more leaders. Preach it, brother. <laughs> we need more everybody. Oh, yeah. Ronnie, he's so focused on the fruit, and I know that you're so good at helping uh, by coaching into this kind of thing. Why don't you reflect yeah. a little bit on what you heard? Well, it's so fun seeing his face. I just light up just looking at him because we coach uh, Deacon Doug and, and the team with Father Matt. And But... One of the stories that you wouldn't know about Deacon Doug is when, when they started to do Alpha, they just started to do Alpha, he was really skeptical of it. And he was really skeptical of it because it was too simple. Mm. Like, there's no way this is going to work. It's too <laughs> simple. Like, there's no way it's going to be able to produce all that fruit because it's too simple. And But they, as a team, agreed that this is what they're going to do. And so, like, a great team member, he got behind the decision, and he... Uh, he and he runs it. He he helps, it. and he couldn't believe it. Didn't take him. It was only a few weeks into it that he saw this transformation happen. He got so excited. He went from a skeptic to being such a great fan because he sees the transformation. And the other piece for them is not like, like some churches have staffs and some churches don't. They happen to be a church that has a small staff compared to the size of their church, and so they're overworked like crazy. Mm. And and when that happens. We need to learn how to lead. 
which isn't necessarily executing the ministry yourself, but learning how to identify and raise up others so that, that you can scale. And, and they're doing that so well. But it takes time. Mm. But it's been so fun to watch them, their mindsets change and evolve and grow. And it's just a treat to journey with people. I love when people give us the opportunity to walk with them through coaching. It's the, my favorite thing. We had decided to have Deacon Doug on the, the podcast because a couple of months before that, I had received an email from a deacon saying, will you guys discuss the role of a deacon at some point? What is the role of a deacon in parish renewal with divine renovation? And we said, okay, let's do that. Let's let's get Deacon Doug on to talk about the role of a deacon, except that every time we we asked him questions about the role of the deacon, he didn't answer. He, 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 went, he simply went back to amazing leadership, evangelization. And there was something very, very important. You know, here's the thing. The, the role of a deacon, and this was a real kind of insight in, in, in connecting with him, I think one of the, the main roles of a deacon in implementing parish renewal is not necessarily specific to that which is specific to diaconal ministry. It's not really. I mean, there really isn't really anything other than you might say, you know, maybe the quality of your preaching. However, deacons in parishes, regardless of the, of the degree of your influence, you're in a position of leadership mm. And there always is some degree of influence in 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 as much as you're in in a, in a in a position of leadership in a traditional parish. The impact of a deacon in implementing parish renewal is owning the vision and being passionate about the vision. When you do that, and you're in line with your pastor, and you're supportive, as opposed to being on the sidelines, that's the power mm. of a, of a role of a deacon in implementing this kind of change. And Deacon Doug beautifully embodies that spirit. He does. And I would also say too, that, you know, the, the virtue of having a collar around your neck is the influence because you might have a collar around your neck, be a deacon and not be in a position of leadership in a church. And there's all kinds of that in our churches that's that right, we but coach. But you still have a lot of influence. You have a lot so of influence. So our next video, guys, our next video <laughs> comes from one of our favorite and, and the guy who's influenced all three of us very much uh, around the, the topics of leadership. And, and if you're in the Divine Renovation Network, uh, you you owe it to yourself to go into the, the video library to check out when Brett Powell's appeared a couple times because mm-hmm. he has spoken into us as a ministry. He's spoken into St. Benedict Parish and he's spoken to all three of us as, as individuals. And so he's he's just an amazing guy, an amazing, uh, amazing guy at developing leadership. So Let's take a quick look at what Brett shared with us. As a leader, one of my jobs is to just simply remove the obstacles for my people so that they can flourish, right? To just, what can I do to serve this leader who has a voice, who's going to make an impact and, uh, and do that. That's really what it comes down to. A leader's job is to remove obstacles so people can do amazing things in God's grace. Mm, isn't I just I love what what Brett says because what he's trying to do is he's helped to, he's trying to unleash others right Ron yeah and and I think what he's talking to because that's one of the things about these snippets we only get a little piece but that assumes you've got great people and so if you have great people then removing obstacles is is the process mm. but a lot of times you need to develop leaders and that takes a lot of work too and just removing obstacles from people who are actually aiming in the wrong direction probably isn't a good idea and so out of context that could be what you're taking away and, and it is and it, it that's assuming you've got great people that are mm-hmm. aimed in the same direction in which case yeah remove the obstacles and wind them up and let them go um yeah i i thought of two things now having grown up in scotland um for me uh, football is a game where a ball is kicked by a foot. 
however, of course, here in North America, for those of you who might be listening throughout the world, you would, for the most part, agree with me. But in North America, there's another sport. <laughs> he always called, has to get that called, in, doesn't he? Football, <laughs> uh, which has these big guys who you know who do a lot of stuff. But I, I don't know a lot about that form of football. Clearly, but, yeah. <laughs> but I remember, you know, I've watched it a few times, you know, and uh, there's. You know what struck me about what 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 Brett said, and this is why I'm saying I'm saying <laughs> this is going is, somewhere. Is, you know when they when they throw the ball back to the to the to the quarterback, and the runners are running up to you know to 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 possibly receive the ball, but then these these big guys, these huge big guys, <laughs> who's I remember used to think, what the heck? Like are these guys even athletes? Like what are they supposed to do? But you look, they're they're actually they're even when a guy receives the ball and, and runs on ahead, these guys are often running ahead, doing what? Taking out the obstacles mm. and. They're unsung heroes. Like you, you don't, you focus on the quarterback and the guy who caught the ball and the guy who's going to run and get the touchdown. But no one pays any attention to these big guys that are like taking out the obstacles and clearing a mm, path. Love it. That's what I thought of when I when I heard. I uh, think Brett, you know Brett more about that. that game than you let on. <laughs> Looking forward to the annual football tournament the so, Department of Innovation puts on in the so, summer. So the two things are are the you know the eyes to see uh, and to take out the obstacles. But also the willingness to not be in, in the in the spotlight. Mm, that's a good because point. no one sings their praises. Right. But the guy who threw the ball, it wouldn't be anything if if it wasn't received. And and the guys who scored the touchdowns, they couldn't do it without these guys. So I think that's a key part of leadership is mm. is um, is helping others to be great and, and also allowing them to own wins. You know, as the once someone said, leaders should deflect the praise and receive the blame. Amen. You know. So our next uh, video is from the author of Surviving to Thriving, The Ten Laws of Grateful Leadership. So let's take a look at what Steve Foran had to share with us. To me, leadership is about influence. Uh, how, you know, how we influence others by how we show up. That's as simple as, uh, uh, you know, because our example and how whatever we do in showing up, we influence others. And so the connection to gratitude because how I show up when I'm grateful is massively different mm. than when I'm ingrateful. Uh, so gr gratitude is this thing that it, it, it enables us and enables you and me and, and everyone to be able to show up as the, you know, the best leader of, of, of themselves that they can be. Mm. I love, I, I really enjoyed talking with Steve that day. I just, I, I got so much uh, from him. But talk about a little bit the disposition of how you show up, Ron. Well, it's, the, it's our attitude. We have to check our attitude uh, because people feed off the energy of our leader, of leaders. And if we're going around grumpy and whatever else, people are going to feed off that. And it's going to have an impact on our culture that probably is unintentional. And if it's chronic, we're in trouble. Mm. And I think we need to be aware of and responsible for our disposition. That's right. And, uh, and I think that's key. I, I'm, I may get this quote exactly, not, not exactly right, but I believe it was Woody Allen who said 80% of success is just showing up. Um, and we, if you think about it in our daily lives over the course of a week, we, we do a lot of showing up, don't we? And personally, I, I have to say that I'm, I'm not always conscious about how I show up uh, you know we when we show up we, we sometimes bring a lot of stuff with us you know what kind mm -hmm. of day we're having what kind of what's on our what's weighing on our mind and 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 just taking time to be conscious that when I walk into a room mm -hmm. I'm going to impact and how do I choose to impact you know can mm -hmm. I put aside other things that are weighing me down uh, because the people that I'm walk who are in that room that I walk into 
they don't know where I've come from. They don't know the history and, and we don't really have the luxury to, to dump that on them. So mm. I think developing that discipline of, of, of checking ourselves and being aware that, you know, that we actually have more impact than we think. Yeah. Intent versus impact. Exactly. We intend one thing, exactly. but our impact might be another. And, and as leaders, we need to be responsible for the impact, regardless of our intent. Yeah. And I think one of the things that Steve, I was like actually just listening to this podcast uh, yesterday, I was doing some exercise. I was listening to it, you know, the whole thing about, about gratitude, you know, like it, it's so easy to, to be, to be become numb to how truly blessed we are. Yeah. You know, we, we're hardwired to, 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 to identify more. and seek out dangers and threats, which leads to dissatisfaction. And, you know, we want more and more security and mm. we think that comes by getting more and more stuff. And so we're, we're, there's that internal dissatisfaction and, and we need to pause again, everything that makes a difference, it doesn't happen by itself. It happens intentionally and we need to stop and, and, and continue to, to recollect and ourselves and ask the Lord to remind us just about, you know, everything is gift. Well, as St. As, uh, Paul says, what, what do you have that you have not received? We get so much to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. I love the, uh, the conversation we had in this next clip. Uh, it, it's a, a clip of a seminarian asking a question that I think a lot of the priests that are, listen to our podcast, a lot of them should be asking too. And the question he's asking himself as he's a seminarian on his journey is, what kind of priest do I want to be? So let's take a look and see what Patrick Sala had to share. Being part of a parish where you saw lives being transformed, mm-hmm. that definitely has impacted my view of the priesthood. I don't want to be a priest just to kind of keep the lights running. I want to bring a, be a priest <laughs> to, to change lives and to bring people to Christ. And he's going to. I'm telling you what, he's awesome. I love that guy. He is going to make a huge impact in the world. It's it's so at such a critical time in terms of his own formation and journey. I, I find that he's got such insights and wisdom yeah. to recognize where he wants to go and what that that's you know to be set up so early for that trajectory. Yeah, I think I mean Patrick just summed up in other words the distinction between maintenance and mission. What do you want to do? Just keep things going, or do you want to reach people? And that's the fundamental question. Uh, maintenance to mission is a is basically an orientation. Um, and a church or, or organization is never going to have that orientation if, it, if it's not within the heart of the leader. And it can be, you know, it's in the heart of, of, of it's in Patrick's heart, you know, obviously for many reasons, but I think principally because he's seen it, he's tasted mm. it. And I think that's the ability to see and taste, to taste and see is key to developing vision. Um, and, and this is a real challenge for us today in the church, you know, there is a temptation sometimes when it comes to seminarians, uh, and I've literally heard this say that in different, like in a different diocese, uh, when it comes to the question of where are we going to place a seminarian for his pastoral <laughs> placement, parishes that are actually healthy and doing amazing things, literally the leadership will say, well, let's not send him there because yep. it's not normal. Or it's not needed. They don't need him. Yes, but often, honestly, Ron, I think it, it's more a sense of, well, we don't want to disillusion. We don't want to expose him to something that actually is not real because he's just going to be disappointed and frustrated wherever he goes. And I think that is so tragic because, you know, like how, do we ever, how are we ever going to stoke the imagination and, and, and grow a leader's ability to dream? Because if you can't dream dreams, you're not going to have a vision for anything. If you don't have a vision, you're not going to have no passion. You're not going to lead anything. It's the difference between what a priest, what you know, what should a priest be versus what's God calling me to be as a priest. Those are two totally different questions. Because as a priest, everybody's going to tell you what you should do. 
And, you know, when we're coaching, what I'm trying to help priests understand, I'm trying to help them figure out who are you anyway as you stand before God. What's he What's He empowered and called you to do to choose such a radical life of discipleship and service? Like, that's mm-hmm. not a small thing. Let's get in touch with that because once we uncover that, boy, now we have fuel for the fire. But if it gets lost in, in what you should be, yeah. that just bear, bogs people down and kills their spirit. And, and then they're leading. I mean, like anything oh. in life is both, isn't it? There's, there's what you, you could be and what you should be. It's a life we have to, we have to navigate those, those two things. Mm. remember a couple of years ago speaking to a group of priests, and at one point, I, this was not planned, um, but I said to them, you know, like, please put, put up your hand if you became a priest to change the world. Yes. Everyone put up their hands. Yes. Because it's, it's a crazy dream. Like this is, this is a crazy thing to, yes, to live this way. And you, you didn't do it just to be a maintainer of, of the lights, you know. Uh, and yet guys get ordained, they come through, they come through formation, they go into parish life. And, and that passion, that crazy dream gets crushed. I lo- and that's one of the greatest tragedies. We uh, we had some of this conversation with the next uh, with our next guest who was on. It was uh, our own Archbishop because he spoke about mm. the, the why of the restructuring. I know a lot of dioceses, a lot of uh, around the world are going through restructuring or are going into restructuring, coming out of restructuring. And and you know what, what the what our Archbishop did is remind us of some of the reasons why. Why don't we take a look to see what Archbishop Mancini shared? And so caring for people holding them in your heart, as we Mm -hmm. sang, Mm -hmm. uh, became a reality. And it's out of that concern and out of that experience that restructuring Mm -hmm. becomes not just rearranging the furniture or the the chairs on the Titanic. It's about (laughs) re reforming ourselves so that we could become who we truly are and we are truly ourselves when we are caring for one another in a loving fashion. And when that's the case, then that love generates love and you go out Mm. and you need to go out. We're not there to self-preserve. We're not there to self-preserve, Father James. Yeah, uh, it reminds me of the great quote from Pope Francis, Evangelii Gaudium, uh, paragraph 28, about the motives for the missionary option. It's it's for the evangelization of today's world, not for our own self-preservation. We need to recognize, however, that self-preservation in any organism, in any organization, is a powerful impulse. It's not a bad impulse, but it's very, very powerful. But for the church, that can't be that can't be the, the sole thing. And, and generally, as well, what we tend to seek to preserve are not the the things that are essential to life. We we generally in in the church will will have an impulse to preserve the structures, and when it comes to the question of restructuring in any organization, in any any local church, the the fundamental question that we must always have ask ourselves is is the structure truly serving the mission? Mm. That that's it. That's it. And and if it's not, we've got to change the structure. But too often we enshrine the structure and we and we we switch and we and we submit. The mission to the structure. Our next, uh, our next video is, is is another one of our friends. It's actually a video that I know got a lot of play because it got shared a whole lot. And this was when we invited Josh uh, from Catholic Context. So he's the national director of Alpha Catholic Context in the United States. Josh Dennis. And uh, anyway, so Josh did a fabulous job. So why don't we take a look to see what Josh shared with us? Even in the midst of the fruit of Alpha, many people start 
with the idea of, I want this for my church. And if they don't make the transition to, I want this because this is my job in the kingdom, this is my vocation, this is my apostolate to do the work that Jesus gave to me. If they don't make that shift, then Alpha doesn't accomplish what it's meant to. Oh, Josh is great. Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. It's true. And and to be honest with you, I would say the percentage of people in my experience is probably 10 to 15% of people make that transition. You know, a lot of people get excited about Alpha because they hear the fruit, because they hear good things and they say, oh, they just finally give in and say, okay, I guess we'll let it happen. And they do it, but they never embrace it as a tool to invite. And the culture itself, if you're not striving to intentionally create an inten- uh, in, an invitational culture, you will never, <laughs> Alpha will never leave the pews. And, you know, and Bev Eisner, a parishioner at St. Benedict Parish, said to me one day, I'll never forget it, Ron, I finally figured it out. And I said, Bev, what, what exactly did you figure out? What do you mean? He said, Ron, your Alpha isn't over until you've given it away. And I thought, can you imagine if every parishioner who's done Alpha doesn't consider themselves done until they've invited somebody else who's come and finished Alpha. Oh, the church should be a better place. <laughs> uh, so our next uh, video is from uh, a friend of the ministries, uh, Father Peter. Father Peter Wojcik is, is, uh, plays a critical role in the Archdiocese of Chicago. He's an amazing leader. He's a great guy. And also what, he, he, what he's good at is understanding the importance of, of collaboration and trying to work as a team because he's trying to move, uh, he's working with the team to try and move that diocese. So let's take a look to see what Father Peter shared with us. Over the last uh, three years of my job in this position, I probably interviewed 300, 400 people because they said they feel so inspired by the vision of renewal and the boldness of renewal that we took. And, and that's the people you want, right? Because that, that, that's the energy, that's the creativity, the openness that they bring with them um, that really frees you to, uh, to think outside of the box, to really dare to dream that we can be a better church, a stronger church. So, so when I hire people on our team, we ensure that people do two things. First is that they really cherish collaboration. We do not hire single stars. If, if you can do everything on your own and shine on your own, boy, shine somewhere else. <laughs> I need you to collaborate with others, right? Be, because we are church. We are about communion. And the second thing is that people really are not afraid of change. I love that. Don't be afraid of change and don't be expecting to do it on your own when you show up. And also the centrality of being on board with the vision, mm. the hire for vision alignment, that is mm. so key. Mm. So uh, what, what I love about Father Peter is that he's had to build his team at 400 interviews. I can't imagine. I, I feel like I got to mm. go into prayer for the guy. It's yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> I just can't imagine. Uh, it's, but, you know, God bless him for, for what he's trying to do. But it's so critical to get the right team around you, isn't it, Ron? It is. And what I love about Peter he lives the value of continuing to learn as a leader. I love working with Father mm-hmm. Peter and Marco because they are cons- as, as they're incredibly bright, intelligent people, highly focused on the goal and, and living out what the Cardinals challenged in, in terms of the vision. And, and they continue to learn like crazy. And, and they're creating a culture of learning within their leaders and within their diocese. And I think that's a critical part of moving from here to there because, as Father James mentioned earlier, we have to continue to evolve. Mm. We have to continue to evolve as leaders, and and they model that, and it's so fun working with them. Yeah, we we uh, you and I, Father James, we bumped into this this next guy uh, just a couple of days ago uh, at an airport, uh, but quite quite uh, incidentally. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so you know, I'm talking, of course, about Bishop Dowd, who who had a um, 
who shares a little bit about his own faith journey and how, you know, how he moved uh, in, in deeper into his faith. So let's take a look to see what the bishop shared with us. At the end of university, I went through what a lot of people call their crisis of faith, you know, where you go through an intense period of questioning. And uh, it was a challenging time, but it was also, I think, ultimately a healthy one, at least for me, because before I went through that, I tell people before that experience, I believed because I was Catholic. Mm. But after that experience, I was Catholic because I believed. And that that was a big shift. I wound up coming full circle, but that was a big shift. Wow, that says it all right there. Another one. Well, these are great clips. I'm going to binge watch these again over the summer. I, I love, though, that, you know, what, what the bishop opens our eyes to is that, you know, we're all on that journey. It's, it's a breakdown of clericalism, this, this honesty and transparency that, that he, you know, like yeah. that recognition that, you know, guys, like I wasn't born absolutely holy with a collar around my neck. And, you know, I, I'm on that journey, too. It's, it's, it's that there's an element of, of honesty in what he shared. I think of the words of St. Augustine, who said, for you, I am a bishop, but with you, I'm a Christian. And I often think that the, the problem of clericalism in the church today is that many priests don't know how to first be Christians with their people as opposed to priests for their people and remembering that the, the primary sacrament of, 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 of Christianity is baptism, not ordination. So I'm, I'm a priest for you, but I'm principally a Christian with you. And sadly, even for many bishops, many bishops not only find it hard to be Christians with their people, they find it hard to be priests with their priests. And so the mm. isolation is intensified. And I think that the more that we can, again, lean in, develop the habit of of, of bishops, you know, you know, revealing themselves to be Christians with us uh, before they're, they're bishops for, for us, that we become a healthier and a better church. And that tells me, because I don't think anybody goes into the priesthood with that goal in mind or become a bishop with that goal in mind. So that tells me the structure and the system and the culture is probably going to take you in that direction. So Absolutely. if you know that going in, or if you know that's the reality now, we can change that. It's by being intentional. And, and so that if that's what's going to happen, if we're not intentional, well, good. Then let's start being intentional and make the opposite the aim. Mm. Let's let's share one last clip. But what I, what I appreciate this is, you know, when you become a missional parish, you get the privilege of, of journeying alongside people on, on their way into the faith. I mean, that's what happens at Alpha when when we when we run it at our parish, when we run it at our office. I mean, like it's it's part of the, that amazing privilege. And so our next guest, uh, she has that privilege of doing it inside of prisons. So Roxana is is the director of uh, Alpha for for prisons, the national director of Alpha for prisons. And so let's take a look to see what Roxana shared. We were asked to, to facilitate it in the men's on, on a men's unit. They come in and and. You know, we, we really felt like we were not like, what do we have to offer here? This is just how can I speak into these lives? But as the as the videos were rolling and and especially when when the issue of unforgiveness, when, when we talk about why Jesus died comes up uh, and and repentance and offense. Right. Uh, that these guys that were just big and burly and would come in with their arms crossed and sit at the very back, literally put their chairs up against the wall uh, with their arms crossed, would begin to uncross, would begin to kind of, you know, slouch a little bit and really lean in to the teaching. And this one guy looked like he was probably five times my size. And he says to me, I really, if Jesus is real and all of what this thing is all about actually is true, I want in. 
what do I do? Because he said, I don't have hope outside of this. It's either this or I'm going to die. And, and it, I mean, when someone looks you in the eye and says that to you, you realize, oh, my goodness, it, the the need, the great need for Jesus to come in at that moment, because I had nothing to say to him. And so we prayed together. Um, it was really this beautiful, it's like we're being invited into a conversation that this man had already been having with the Holy Spirit. Right. And I had the privilege of praying with him as the Father was drawing him unto himself. And I can tell you, this was, uh, this is now, we're, we're looking at about eight years ago now, and this man is out of prison now. He was sentenced to a federal, a federal sentence. He is attending a local church and is involved with it, and his long-term dream is to be able to speak into uh, teenagers' lives who are in youth detention, who are going down the same path that he went on. Wow, what a powerful story. I mean, what a privilege to be be part of God's work. I remember one of the first or second years that our, our St. Benedict Alpha, a prison Alpha team uh, did, did Alpha in the prisons. They invited me to go out uh, for the final night and I remember being so struck that as these men and women came in, uh, they weren't in, in, the, in the same group. But, and I, I did sh- share this with them. I, I confessed to them that for the most part, I don't spare a second thought for them. They're invisible to me. I don't think about, I don't think about them. I don't think about prisoners. Um, and yet, Jesus, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. the corporal works of mercy, Jesus, you know, uh, give drink to the thirsty, food to the hungry, clothing to the naked, to visit the sick and visit the prisons. Like, this is critical. Uh, and how many parishes actually even think about prisons or have it on, on, on their radars? Uh, and uh, even think about the, the prisoner. I was, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And so mm. the twofold aspect of going into the prisons to minister and to, to love and support and, and to bring a message of hope, but also that other dimension of, of being receptive to people who are coming out of prisons. And I think Alpha here in Canada and globally has done an amazing job of helping churches to do that. Mm. I'm struck by, I'm struck by her maturity in her faith, Mm. her awareness that she is a piece of a bigger puzzle that God is doing the massive work. And she's just been invited to participate in what Mm. the Holy spirit is already doing. Yes. I'm just struck by the maturity of faith. Like, what a wonderful woman of faith. Her Mm. and her husband are making a huge difference in this country um, through their ministries in prison with and with prisoners once they leave prison. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, Mm. I can want to. So, I'm going to take a quick moment here, guys. I'm going to to challenge you both. Just to this is uh, this is the end of our our season. We just got a glimpse of a couple of of the amazing guests that we had. On, on this podcast over this past season. But just, I'd love to know, what are your thoughts? How do they go for you? Like, where, where, where are you? Well, I'm just thinking I feel inc- incredibly blessed as, you know, like to go back and, and, and remind ourselves about the amazing people who mm. we, we get to be connected with. And we get to be connected with these people. And that's the only way we're going to see this shift in our, in, our, in our church as we continue to get connected with one another. And I just really hope that our podcast can help people, you know, that changing the conversation and connecting with people, you know, you could, these links can be sent out. There's the, the video links, there's mm-hmm. the audio. Uh, I'd love to see more and more people kind of getting tied into the podcast and in, 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 in getting connected with what one another. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and that's how I feel too. I I feel like we're connectors. We do have the privilege and the opportunity to be connected to so many amazing people and their heart is the same as ours. How Mm. can we bring more and more people home to Christ? Can we help parishes become places where people can receive, can experience transformation and the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit? There's so many different angles and possibilities. There's so many expressions of it, but it's all leading to the same person. Mm. It's all bringing people home and helping people be great. And that's my hope and prayer for the church. Amen. I, I, I think as I reflect back on this, this past season, I think of, wow, how much our guests have helped me grow. I mean, yeah. they really have, like if they, they've really impacted me. I mean, I've learned so much. I've changed some of my own personal practices, some of the ways I try and exude my leadership, all mm. because of the amazing guests we've had on this mm. podcast this past season. And I think, wow, what a blessing it is to, to be able to to be part of this, to, to, to be able to learn from such amazing leaders from all over the world. So as we wrap up, as we wrap up this season, I'm, I'm, I'm getting all excited about what's going to happen next season now. I'm thinking, I don't really want to take the break, but, but uh, we will, we'll take a lull for our Canadian summer. Uh, and we'll be back. Yeah. Or, or short Canadian. Or very, very short Canadian. <laughs> three weeks. We just don't know which three weeks it's going to be. <laughs> It'll be a little longer than three weeks in, in, in time, but not that long in terms of warmth. Uh, so, so yeah, so we're going to take a, a brief pause for this podcast. And we're hoping that uh, if you haven't listened to the, the back episodes of the podcast, that you'll feel encouraged to, to go back to take a look to see some of the things that, uh, some of the conversations we had over this past year. And like Father James said, perhaps there's someone that you might feel called to share uh, an episode with. So I'd challenge you to do that. And of course, I'm going to leave you with this, this parting message. If you've listened to this episode or past episodes, um, I'm, not, I'm not going to presume you're going to miss us, but I will presume that, that you've, you've, you've gotten some value out of these conversations. So if you have, and you're not yet part of the Divine Renovation Network, if your parish isn't yet part of the Divine Renovation Network, I'd, I'd ask you to consider whether or not it might be the right time. Over the summer months, there's lots of videos there, lots of content from, from Father James, from Ron, from myself, from others on the Divine Renovation team and in the Divine Renovation family. And it's an opportunity for you to, to get deeper engaged. Now, there's obviously for our network, there's a fee associated with that. Let me just make a quick note on that. Not only are you, are you, um, isn't, not only are you getting value for the money, uh, so we try and offer you value for the money, but your money actually helps to support this mission. Yeah, and so sure. it's, the fee is more than just what it costs to be, you know, to get by the certain video. It's not just about that. You're becoming part of something bigger. And so, mm-hmm. so as you look at that fee and you, and, you, and you try and discern whether or not it's, it's the right fit for your parish where you are right now, just recognize what you're actually doing is you're helping to enable this. You're helping to enable conversations like this for us to, to do the work mm-hmm. that we do to help parishes around the world. So I just ask you in your discernment to recognize that, that you're not just buying a service. That's not what the Divine Renovation Network is. You're joining a movement. And so I, I encourage you to be open to joining that movement this summer months. I want to give a quick shout out to, to at least three people. There's so many people that make this podcast happen, but Sheila McGuire, if it wasn't for you, uh, it would be Ron, uh, Father James and I sitting here talking to a blank TV screen. So we wouldn't have a single <laughs> guest lined up. So God bless you. Uh, Nathan and, and Paul, who are, are the two tech guys that make it happen every single week. God bless both of them. And then there's more guests and, 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 and guest hosts and others. It would be impossible to name everyone who makes this podcast possible but thank you so to, so to the whole team who makes this uh, makes this such a joy to show up for and we look forward to seeing you next season god bless